Hi everybody, my name is Landon Arenas. Thanks for listening to episode 149 of the Vortiza Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. B. Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for your grace and your mercy, Father, that continuously sustains us, Lord. And whether I'm here in California or my brother out there in uh, North Carolina, Father, you are the same God to us, Lord, and uh, we are blessed and uh, we are grateful and thankful again, Father, for providing for our families and taking care of us, Lord. Father, uh, we appreciate the time you give us, Father, to do uh, this podcast, Father. We do it for your glory, Lord, and our prayer and encouragement is that uh, whoever listens, Father, is blessed, is edified, and uh, also, Father, that we're able to uh, uh, talk uh, the the truth of the truth of your word, Father, and that um, they don't take us uh, at face value, but Father, that they can all do their research as well, Father, and help us to continue to encourage that, Lord. Uh, we're living in tough times, Lord, where we need to be wise, Father, and we need to be discerning, Lord, and uh, we can e- easily be be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine your word says, Lord. And therefore, Father, it is good that we have uh, these, the, the podcast as well as many other podcasts out there. I, I pray that you bless uh, everybody in the ministry of podcasting, Lord. May it be a, a blessing and a newness to uh, people that hear, Lord. And Father, we are grateful and thankful, Father, for anybody that hears, Lord. And thank you for the opportunity to give us. Uh, bless the brain and myself, Lord, as we continue another podcast. This episode may it be glorifying to you, Lord. And thank you for all that you do. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen, brother. My oh. brother. Now, hold on. Something oh. popped up on the screen. Got it. Okay, there we go. Hey, oh, it was pro- it was probably uh, you giving me uh, uh, the okay to record you, right? <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, I had to put yeah, God. Yeah, you, you had to put yes. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> I mean, I waited that long to pop up. You know, I know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. So I don't know. It's kind of like it's kinda, it was kind of like the like, like a government trying to issue some sort of uh, you know regulation or something. It kind of just surprises you, you know, when you're kind of most distracted. <laughs> So, you know, that's what I, <laughs> I was shooting for that. You must be talking about the modus operandi of Congress. <laughs> no, the modus operandi of Congress, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah What's up, Oh, you know what? Uh, life is good, brother. Life good. is good. Good. Yeah. yeah. You know why life is good? Why is that? Because Christ is still on the throne. Oh, I, I don't even, I mean, you said it right there. I mean, there's no... <laughs> It's like period done. I mean, we should end the podcast right there. <laughs> well, folks, it's been good. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. No, <laughs> <laughs> keep your mouth sharp and your heart. Be- <laughs>
no, so it, but you know, think about if you think about that, uh, God is on His throne, mm. right? You know what? It's a good question. How many people do think that on a daily basis? God is on His throne. Well, if if you're tied up in the daily activities of life. Mm-hmm. And you come home and you turn on the mainstream propaganda media. And then you maybe have a little time with family before you go to bed. Mm. No, you're not thinking that. Yeah. You're wrapped up in the, the temporal circumstances of this world. You know? Yeah. And, and this is what I kind of wanted to hit on tonight. This kind of hit me about an hour ago. Let me read a passage, and then you and I can kind of discuss it. Okay, let's do it. First, I want to, I want to, uh, and we'll do a little bit of news later on. But I mean, there's the news is the news. It, it comes and goes, and it's always there, right? There's always something happening that we can talk about. It's always going to be there. <laughs> but you know, this this podcast started out from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. We focused on the scriptures when we first started doing this podcast, and we got kind of. Because of the urgency of the of the circumstances and everything, we got caught up in the the COVID situation. Yeah, and then we got caught up in the election. Mm-hmm. Then we got caught up in the um, response to the COVID, which has done more harm than the COVID. And we it felt a, a an urgency and a need to warn people as to yeah. what was going on. Um, and we had, and it, it's kind of therapeutic for you and me too, just to just to hash through that stuff. But I want to balance between that and the scriptures, mm. and and I, I think we need to get back into balance. Yeah, because this stuff can go on and on and on and on and on. Right, that's true. Well, this, this was the Lord in John seventeen, and then I'm going to also look at John eighteen. And he's praying for the sheep before he leaves the world. Now, we're lamenting over a president losing an election by fraud. Mm, okay. they're, they're about to lament the loss of the Messiah leaving mm. them. Okay. Now, imagine being those apostles, those disciples, and the one that you followed for three years mm-hmm. that, that you called the Messiah that you leaned on, that led you, yeah, that you had your full confidence in, and is going to be taken away from you. But you're expected to continue doing the the work of God mm. on the earth. Imagine the impact they must have had on those disciples, on those mm. apostles. How scared they must have been. How yeah. inadequate they must have felt mm. to do the work of God, because they just they they were walking and talking with God Almighty Himself, Jesus Christ, right? And then He leaves, and who's left? Well, there's you know mouthy Peter and bumbling this, and you know, I mean, <laughs> there's you know, the, the, there's a bunch of there's some fishermen and a tax collector and a few other guys that. They're, they're probably totally lost going, I don't, what, what do we do now? Yeah. Can you imagine the sinking lost feeling they must have had when they were up in that upper room 
Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit came down upon them and filled them with the confidence that they needed. But the confidence was not in themselves. It was in Christ. It was in God. The Holy Spirit gave them what they needed to do the work. Amen. Now listen to, to, uh, I'm going to tie all this into modern uh, news. I mean, you know, the um, uh, up-to-date circumstances that we're dealing with now. I can't think of a phrase I want to say, but anyway, John 17. I'm trying to find the right starting point. He's praying for the sheep. And I'm going to start with verse uh, uh, 8. For I have given unto them, he's talking about his disciples. Now let me go back to, to 5. Verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify me with you, with, with your own self, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Mm. I have manifested my thy, your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Thine they were, and you gave them me, and they have kept my word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of you. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me and they have perceived them and have known surely that I came out from you and they have believed that you did send me. I pray for them. Now think of the tenderness of this. Mm -hmm. He's praying for these poor sheep that are, that they, they are sheep for the slaughter. Because they're no match for the world. They're no match for Rome. They're no match for the Jewish leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They're no match for any of them. Think about that. So they're completely vulnerable. Yeah. And Jesus is praying for these vulnerable men that the odds are stacked against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, so heavily that... If you're just looking at this circumstance from a purely worldly, temporal, uh, secular type of view, you'd say, these guys aren't going to last five. They're not going to last two months. They're going to completely be completely wiped out, and that'll be the end of this whole movement. But look at what Christ is saying. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those that you gave me, 
I have kept, and none of them are is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. You're talking about Judas Iscariot. Mm. And now, and now come I to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. There's the first request, that they might have the joy of Christ within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world. He's not taking us out of the world, Mm. and we die eventually, but the next generation carries on. But that you should keep them from the evil. So it's not that we seek an escape from the world, that we're just going to be brought out of the world before trouble comes so we don't have to face it. No, he's saying they're going to go through the trouble. They're going to go through the difficulty. We've had 2,000 years of church history difficulty, of, of Christian persecution. And the world constantly trying to fight against Christ and fight against his, his disciples, his followers. And so he didn't protect us from that. And that makes us stronger. When we go through these difficult times, it makes us stronger. Mm. But he's got more. He says, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. The second request, sanctify them. Mm. Sanctification. They already have salvation. They are, right? So after salvation comes sanctification. Growing in Christ. Becoming stronger. Through our weakness, we are strong. Because more, the more we die to ourselves, the more we're filled with Christ. And the more the Holy Spirit works through us. As you have sent me into the world, he continues, even so have I also sent them into the world. So he says, you sent me to do my work. And he did his work, and he finished his work, and he ascended unto the Father. We don't understand sometimes why God does things when he does them. Why did God take this person at this time? And why did that person have to die? And why did this person have to go through this? It's because God has a work for them And then when it's done, he calls them home. Hmm. I'm going to pause here for just a moment and give a point. And this is something that I've had to deal with in my own life. We can tend to lean, lean too heavily on other people. 
for our security. Mm. Okay. We can tend to, we can tend to lean on other people too heavily for our security. And I want to say this before I continue reading. Donald Trump is not going to save us. He's not our savior. Neither is General Flynn. Neither is this elusive white hat operation that people talk about. Neither is some super secret, supersonic absolutely magnificently genius plan behind the scenes that somebody has conjured up, this is the theory, from the time of John F. Kennedy's death all the way up till today, that they have this super secret plan to take on the globalists and take them out. We can't lean on those type of things. And the reason that I believe that's the case, and the reason I believe that what we're dealing with today is going to require strictly divine intervention is because if if some super smart group of generals or military operatives or intelligence agents or something like that came along and saved the day and rescued America from this attack that's upon it, from communists and Marxists and globalists and all of that, then we would trust in them rather than trusting in God. We would give them the credit rather than giving God the credit. Mm. That's why I believe that the remedy and the solution to the circumstances that we're facing today is not some plan, some white hat operation, Donald Trump or anybody else, it's God Almighty. Yeah. And when we are pulled out of the fire, if we are, we might go through the fire. I don't know. Mm, right. It's, it's, it's God's business in, in his determination. It will be a work of God. There's no greater witness to Christ than those who go through the fire and do it with strength. Mm. Do it with faith. Do it with a faithfulness to Christ. Not whining, not moaning, but maturing to the level that they're able to walk through the fire And glorify Christ in the process. That's huge, bro. I just don't believe that looking for a rapture or looking for some white hat rescue against the evil globalist or looking for some super politician to take on the Chinese communists or to to, Russia or whatever it might be and defeat them and we can declare pride in America and, you know, and glorify America. That is the problem. 
when when we defeated the Japanese Imperial Navy after they attacked Pearl Harbor, December the 7th, 1941, we were a praying nation. This nation was on its knees before God Almighty asking for victory because we didn't know if we could get victory. Our Navy was decimated at Pearl Harbor. We had to rebuild it. We had to pray to God that God would bless us and give us the industrial power to rebuild that Navy. And then we went into the Battle of Midway, and the odds were stacked against us. Mm. Their fleet was more powerful than our fleet. It was by divine intervention that we won that battle. God prepared generals like General Patton, <clears throat> General George Patton, which, by the way, I have a book on him, and he was a man of faith. That movie that they made about Patton, which is one of my favorite movies, it, it showed a side of Patton that was only one side to him. He was a man of great faith. And Omar Bradley. And uh, General Eisenhower, I mean, these were men that God prepared for that time to deal with that circumstance and that situation. Anyone who gains victories today against this assault upon us, it means that they have been prepared by God for this period of time, for that purpose. And so this was the prayer of Christ, that God would prepare these apostles that he chose for the job that they had before them and for such a time as this. And in such a time of, the such a time of this, at that time was the first century, when they had to face a very powerful Rome, a very hostile Jewish population and uh, religious leaders. And so what did God do? He prepared those disciples to preach the gospel to the Jews, and he prepared the apostle Paul to preach the gospel to Gentiles. And it was those men, with all of the small little things that the Christians did as they multiplied all across the Roman Empire, that built the foundation of 2,000 years of church history. <clears throat> We're not done. Folks, uh, don't despair. God is still on the throne. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue. He says in verse 19, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Not only am I praying for the disciples, these apostles, I'm praying for the ones that believe because of their witness. Mm. I'm praying for the generations of believers that will come after them. So Christ is still intercessing for us. 
And what a wonderful, beautiful, tender prayer this is. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they might be perfect in one. In other words, in unity, they could take on the challenge. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. He's saying, he's, he's connecting them, he's, he's, he's fashioning them in, he's connecting them in to the power, of, he's, he's taking the power grid of God and plugging them into it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, King, King, I, I just, I'm thinking here, just sitting there, if I was, you know, one of the, the disciples and listening to his, his words being spoken right then, you know, not only is my leader, my, 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 my Lord, the one I've been following for the last number, you know, a number of years is leaving, <laughs> but he's asking, you know, in prayer over me for the same word that he gave me that I give to others. And I could just imagine going through, I guess at first hand, you're like, Oh man, you're at, you're anxious. He's leaving. He's leaving. Right. Right. Our leader is gone. But then you go, wait a minute. He's, he's, he's saying these words, this prayer, he's asking the father, wait, what? At first thought you, you kind of contradict, right? A little bit because you're thinking, wow, I'm anxious. I don't know what to do. What's going to happen. And then the most amazing thing later on, as he ascends, right, when he right. tells them about the Holy Spirit, yes. I'm going to leave you with something more powerful. Right. So I, you know, I believe that's where this prayer really hits home because that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. through the word that's going to be preached. Yeah. As you were as you were reading it, brother, it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute, wow! And it's it's all the the, the work of the Lord. Yes, it's all the work of the Lord. That's Even in the, the midst of probably their anxiety at that time, there are what are we going to do? Moment like what what now? God was still in control, and so is the pandemic. Absolutely, everything is going on. The lockdowns. The uh, totalitarianism, the oppression, uh, the mask, the shots, it's all the work of God. Mm -hmm. And he told Joseph, Joseph told his brothers when they faced him, when he was the second highest ruler in Egypt, because they had sold him into slavery, into Egypt. 
Mm -hmm. said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Mm. There's that parallelism. Men intend these things for evil. The shutdowns. Oh, they say they're doing it for the people. Come on, nobody believes that. We know the heart of man. We know the heart of man, that the man is desperately wicked above measure. Who can know? Who can know the heart of man? Right? Right. All of sin comes from the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. None seek after God. Oh, but we're good people doing good things for the good of the people. No, you're not. Stop, stop lying to us and stop pretending like you're, you're, no, you're just like the Pharisees that Christ had to deal with all the time. So the point is, it's the power of God that will resolve all of this. Mm. And although they meant it for evil, although Fauci and the globalists and the WHO and the UN, they mean this for evil. And I truly believe they believe they do mean it for evil. God means it for good. And he's taking, he's using them like little puppets to create this circumstance in our lives right now so that he can do a different kind of work. And that work is a work in the hearts of the people. There's nothing more powerful than the Holy Spirit doing his work in the hearts of the people. And we're hearing of people coming to Christ and crying out to God when they haven't done it before. Christians having their faith renewed. Christians coming back to the Lord. We're hearing stories of this more and more and more and more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the work of God. This is God doing this. It's through... External oppression and hardship brings revival in the internal soul. And when the internal soul is revived, there is a power that cannot be contained by the wiles of men. Let's go to John chapter 18. And we'll, we'll start with verse 33. Jesus is at his trial. He's before Pilate. And it says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, You say this thing of yourself, or did, did you say this thing of yourself, or did others tell you of me? King James, sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, I am a Jew. I'm sorry, am I a Jew? I get the words. I must be dyslexic, brother. Pilate answered, (laughs) am I a a Jew? Isn't that an interesting question? Am Am I a Jew? Jesus, I mean, you're asking me these things. I don't know anything about your your Jewish stuff, your religion, your own nation, and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. 
Mm-hmm. What have you done? He says, I want to know why they brought you before me. I mean, I don't, I, I haven't seen you do anything wrong. So I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why are they bringing you here? What's going on? This is what Pilate's doing. Jesus answered. Now, this answer is just mind-boggling. Because he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Remember, the Mm -hmm. question is, are you the king of the Jews? Right. Here's what he's going to say. My kingdom is not of this world. In other words, yeah, I'm I'm the king of the Jews, but it's not the kind of kingdom you're thinking. It's not your kind of kingdom, Pilate. It's a different kind of kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. If any kingdom, I'm sorry, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? We'd try to overthrow you if it was of this world. We'd take this property. We'd take this territory. Mm -hmm. But it's not that kind of kingdom. That I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate's famous question, what is truth? Yeah. Pilate goes to philosophy. Well, what is truth? He was getting to a philosophical discussion with Jesus. Jesus didn't answer. Because he just told him what truth is. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the point. Well, we're starting to have anxiety over the things going on in the world. It is, it's, I mean, it's okay to start fighting for, for your kids and your grandkids. I understand that. I really do. And I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm fighting for my kids and my grandkids. But if we're doing it all in the flesh, it's a waste of time and we're not going to win. The way we fight is on our knees. We pray for them. Because we can't we can't stop everything that's coming at us from the flood that is the world. Critical race theory, Marxism, secular humanism, paganism. I mean, it's, it's just a flood of evil attacking our kids and our grandkids all the time. Right. Well, how do you deal with that flood of evil? You defeat it by prayer because you pray for them that God would lighten their hearts with the light of Christ. And once we are transformed in our soul by Christ, there is no external philosophy or ideology or political ideology or philosophy of man that can defeat us. They think they can defeat us by manipulating our mind. But they don't know our soul. 
Mm, they don't huge. know the power and the spirit of Christ within us. They are blind to that. They have no clue what they're dealing with. They're dealing with the power of God. And we don't know if there might be some of those folks, those high elitist globalists that might fall before Christ on their knees and confess their sins and repent and be regenerated mm. and worship Christ. Look what he did in Nicodemus. I'm not Nicodemus. I mean, uh, well, Nicodemus was really, yeah. really seeking. But Nehemiah is who I think about. Mm. Yeah. Nehemiah? Not Nehemiah. I'm sorry. The king of Babylon. I can't. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Third in, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know why my brain went from no anyway. <laughs> Never Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, God brought him down and really struck him down. And then when he came back from this real heavy judgment of God upon him, he said. I extol the God of heaven. He is able to humble the pride of men, to abase man. No, it doesn't matter how big and powerful you are, God can bring you down. And he says, I bow before the God of heaven. He was the most powerful man in the world. So we're fighting them because, oh, we're going to take the 22. 2022 election, and we're going to put a whole bunch of people in there. We'll put a bunch of MAGA people in there, and we're going to win this war. No, you're not. Even if you put them all in there, you're not going to win the war. You know why? Because it's prayerless. It's powerless. You don't win anything without the power of God. Jesus was born a lowly child in a manger mm. and a manger was not what we this little displays that we have during Christmas time it was actually a section of the house it was actually inside a house but it was a room in the house where the animals could come in that was a manger we got to get our history right, and our understanding of that culture better. Uh, you know, I mean, the sentiments are good. The basic idea is good. We just don't have it accurate. But anyway, the point is, the wise men weren't there till a couple of years later. But anyway, and there was more, probably more than three of them. I digress. <laughs> <We're running laughs> <by> <laughs> um, the point is, it was still a lowly, humble to 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 Mary. Who was Mary? Right? Who was Mary? This young girl that nobody ever heard of from Bethlehem. Or, or from or, I mean she was a nobody. Mm. 
Blessed are you men, all women. Who, me? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why God does. He takes people who are noble, and he says, you're the one to do my work. Who was it? Amen. I was uh, neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I was a farmer, and God called me. And prophesied. us. It's not Trump. It's not some secret plan. It's God Almighty. I'm going to I'll say it again. It's God Almighty. Mm. That's that huge. Is, that, that's, that's our, our plan. God Almighty is our plan. The mm. kingdom of heaven is our plan. A Amen. kingdom that's not of this world. We build that kingdom. And we'll take care of the rest of it. Mm. That is some good stuff, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what is there more to add to that except that we need to trust in our Lord. We need to understand that he sits on his throne. He is sovereign. And our duty as believers is to put our faith and trust in him. Mm-hmm. You know, stand tall on the truth of the word, and it doesn't matter what comes, whether it's going to be more vaccines, whether it's going to be more scary, you know, scaring tactics against uh, the church. Uh, we are to stay, uh, you know, um, we need to stay uh, uh, on the th- stand on the truth of the word, and that's it. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, because I mean, I'm looking, I'm sitting here flipping through news articles, and I'm going, you know, we go, I go, go through these bit shoot channel, and I go through and I'm, a short video per article. Uh huh. And I keep thinking, you know, you can really get bogged down. I keep losing you a little bit, brother. So hang out tight. Yeah. yeah, because there's so much of it. Yeah. And, and, and the world is so complicated. And there's so much going on in the world. It's not meant for us to take on the entire world's burdens. We can't handle that on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. We've got to give that to God. Yeah. He's got the shoulders that can handle that, not us. We take care of what God has us to do. And that means shut off the TV. Shut down the social media for a while. Don't check your Facebook every five minutes or think you're trying to think something uh, pithy to, to put on Twitter or smart. Oh, I'll be really smart. People love this tweet. Um, while your wife is starving for attention, your kids are starving for attention. You're not taking care of the family. No, social media is too important. Mm. No, uh, I I am going to save the nation with with my tweets. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <sighs> I mean, I rally cries. Oh, every patriot needs to get 
get in and, and really work hard and do their part and do what? Neglect their families? <laughs> no. We need a balance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We don't win this by working hard and being smarter politically than the other guys. We win it by shutting down their propaganda machine. Stop feeding our minds with that garbage mm -hmm. and renew it in the word of God. Amen. Romans tells us to renew our minds. If you can watch a sitcom for an hour, you can read your Bible for an hour. Just shut the shit, the, the, the uh, sitcom off. Yep. If you can tweet for an hour, you can read your Bible for an hour. You can have a devotion with your kids and your wife for an hour and pray. If you can be on Facebook incessantly, then you can be in prayer incessantly. Just dump the Facebook and replace it with the prayer. Mm. The power of God. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that. I dumped Facebook. I dumped Twitter. I don't have a TV. I don't need the, I don't need to see the evening local news every night. Yeah. It's just right. a bunch of it's just a bunch of stinking propaganda anyway. Mm -hmm. And why do I why do I need to put on my shoulders all the burden of the whole community every time there's a burglary or or a robbery or or something happens, I've got to be incessantly, I've got to know about it. You know, and it's important because I'm so important that if I don't know about it, oh, the world, the universe is just going to explode and fall apart or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. What we need to do is we need to back off and concentrate on the things that are of God. And God will take care of it. Now, if, we, if, if it's a neighbor, if someone in our church, someone we work with, somebody we're connected to that we know that we can be a blessing and a help to that person, of course, that's what we do. But we don't take the entire world's problems onto our shoulder. We're not going to single-handedly attack the globalists and save America because you know I'm Superman. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. If that's a fantasy, um, you know, might want to get rid of that one. <laughs> that is true. So, get your thoughts, brother. No, I, brother. <clears throat> there's not much to add to that. Uh, the responsibility as Christians. Uh, uh, you know, and after going through uh, this book, the spiritual disciplines with our men's group uh, at our at our church, you come to understand and acknowledge that it is uh, necessary for us to get into the Word, to pray. We need to be good stewards of our time, of our effort put into studying and learning, and being of servitude and serving our families. That. I think a lot of the pro that is one of the major problems in uh, in Christianity. Men are not taking that responsibility that is necessary from them to leave their homes, and that's why we are, you know, tossed around. We are captivated by the news, and you know, almost to the point of conspiracy theory type of thing or mentality that 
you know, and then again, we look at uh, uh, dispensationalism to where everything ready for, you know, future, 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 when it's like, wait a minute, no, God's word is clear. <laughs> you may make yourself approved. Uh, read God's word. Apply it. So Take your time. Also- yeah, studies show that self-approved unto God, a workman needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Amen. So, yeah. therefore, we need to do those things in order for us to even understand God's will mm-hmm. through his word, right? right? If not, like you said, you know, we're going to be uh, always just looking out for the next news on what the vaccine is going to bring. What else? What's next? What's next? What's the next variant? What's the next we're looking for the mark of the beast. I saw. We're I looking saw, for the mark of the beast. Exactly. Yeah. Which why? Why do you keep looking for a mark of the beast? It's not going to come. That was yeah. fulfilled. That was done. That was fulfilled two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Revelation four through nineteen records the tribulation. Well, that that occurred two thousand years ago. Why are we still looking for it in the future? It was when when Christ told his disciples, and we'll just forget the news for right now. We'll get on this. When Christ told his disciples that temple is going to fall, and I'll rebuild it in in three days, that physical temple. Does anybody know what he meant when he was saying that? Here's what he was saying. The old covenant is going to fall. And I'm going to build a new temple. It's a new covenant temple. And it's a temple made without hands. And you know what that temple is? It's the church. That was the third physical temple that that went down. And it had to go down. Because they were still doing animal sacrifices after he had already given the final sacrifice as the Messiah. Mm. That thing had to be destroyed. Herod didn't want, or not Herod, uh, the general. I can't Nero. remember. What's that? Nero? Nero was, was the Caesar. He was. Oh, that's right. Um, now, Nero had already committed suicide. By yeah, he already committed suicide. You're right. It's, uh, was it Tacitus? Tacitus or? Titus or Tacitus. Tacitus, right? It was Tacitus. Anyway, he. He's going, no, don't destroy, because Herod built that temple for the Jews, because Mm -hmm. he wanted the glory of that temple to shine, because it it was a part of Rome. And Herod said, oh, this would be magnificent. They could dedicate that temple to me, Herod. They'll forever know of Herod because of this temple. Every time they see the temple, Herod built this temple for us. That was his thinking. What did God do? God ate him up with worms. <laughs> Don't you grave, Herod. You're not great. Yep. You see how God deals with it, does it? Oh, yeah. And so God, Christ is saying, you, we're going to tear this temple down because that's old covenant. And old covenant's coming down. I'm, I'm going to build one without made without hands. That's the new covenant. And in times, when it talks about end times, it's talking about the end of the old covenant, not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And 
I know we could get deep into a debate on that from different passages. But the reality is, when you look at the timing statements, the book of Revelation, the first statement in it, I'll read it. Because there's too much of this, we're going to just stick our head in the sand and pie in the sky and try to find the signs of the times and predict when Jesus is going to come back. Well, if you're going to do that, then you're totally useless. God will probably just take you home without a rapture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm serious. He needs people going to work in his kingdom. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is about the resurrected Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what the book's about. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about apocalypse. I mean, it has apocalypse in it, but it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now get the next statement, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. Next phrase. Things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, shortly doesn't mean 2,000 years. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. and I don't I, care la, I, last time I checked, shortly was soon. And soon is like immediately I, coming up in a, in, you know, within the generation or at this point was within a you know, some years. <laughs> That's exactly what he meant. And that whole thing is about the is about the building of that temple made without hands, the new covenant. That's what the book of Revelation is about. It's not about the end of the world. It's about the end of the old covenant world. It's about the end of um of the demise of man. And the beginning or the coming in of God's kingdom, the salvation of man. That's what it's about. And people don't understand the book. My goodness, they get wild-eyed over that book. That is one of the most doctrinal books. It's it's among the doctrinal books. Mm. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of doctrine in the book of Revelation. But we miss all the doctrine because we get all excited about the, the apocalyptic language in it, which we don't even understand half of they, that. You know what, brother? They get too excited because they believe the movies that they watch. <laughs> right. And, you know, Jesus said Matthew 21, Mark 13, uh, Luke, Luke, no, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. I'll get them right. He said this. Uh, after he gave all these signs of the times, he said, verily, in verse 34 of Matthew 24, verily I say unto you, this generation, uh, which generation, brother? Uh, is it is it us, bro? Or is it them 2,000 years ago at that time when he said he was coming to? Well, can somebody give me the definition of this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. To them at that time, it was to them, that right. generation, their that time. Gener- that generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. In he did not. Generation. Hmm. 
did not say the generation that sees these things. No, he said this generation. Yeah. The one that's currently present right now. Now, what were they asking him? They asked him because he just told them the temple was going to come down. Mm -hmm. They asked him, tell us when these things will be. When will the temple come down, Lord? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Now, that was their question. Now, I got a question for you, brother. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, did they know anything about the crucifixion of Christ? No. Did they know anything about the resurrection of Christ? No. Did they know anything about the ascension of Christ? Nope. Then how are they going to know anything about the second coming of Christ? Exactly. <laughs> oh, why exactly. I mean, yeah. What were they really asking? What they were asking was, when will, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of your triumphant victory over Rome? Because look at the next phrase, and of the end of the world. What was the world to them, brother? Uh, the world where they were living at, the world right there, Rome, uh, Jerusalem, they, where the Israelites roamed, the Jews lived. That was their world. What they're asking is, when are you going to take Rome down? Exactly. Because that they thought that was what was going to happen. And which was the Jew, the Jew belief, right? Right. They're, waiting, they're waiting for that Messiah to take down Rome, right? That was their, right. their hero coming. He was going to, I mean, he, he was he was Trump of their day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be blasphemous with that, but don't we look to Trump as being the, the great savior that's going to come back and rescue all of us from this mess we're in? Mm. We do, don't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, God may have chosen him. God may not have chosen him. God might choose a different means of doing that if he chooses to do that. We got to stop making yeah. assumptions and making predictions. Mm. We don't know what God's going to do. He knows. He's got the big plan. He's he's the one with the big plan. Yep. And we need to just do our part and trust him. <laughs> yep. Thank he to no man deceive who, brother? You? Me? No, them. That's right. He's talking to them. He says, Satan, they take, they don't let anybody deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. Now, did that occur in the first century, brother? Oh, yeah. It did. Oh, you look yeah. at Josephus. I, I've got books in my bookshelf behind me here that talk about all these different people that claim to be the Messiah after Jesus, you know, just a few short years after Jesus. Right. And uh, you, you just mentioned Josephus. Josephus in his uh, writing wrote, and at that time, I don't, I mean, we don't know if he became a believer later on, but he wasn't a believer and he spoke about all the different messiahs, you know, right. the, the, and in that time. Exactly. And then he says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you be not troubled for all these things will come to pass, but then it's not yet. So were there wars and rumors of wars at that time, brother? Absolutely. A lot of them, weren't there? A whole lot. 
Rome ended up in a civil war in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Plus, they had got people. They had other the barbarians trying to attack them from the outside. Then there was a war with the Jews. I mean, there was all of this stuff going on. A lot of yeah, commotion. So, mm-hmm. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Were there famines there? Oh, yeah. Yes, there were. Pestilences? Was there disease and famines? Oh, absolutely. Big time. Mm-hmm. Were there earthquakes? Yes. Oh, yeah. They oh, recorded yeah. earthquakes. A lot of earthquakes back then. There was an earthquake when Christ was crucified. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there's a number of earthquakes recorded in the Bible after that. Hmm. There's an earthquake that shook Paul out of jail. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the Philippian jailer comes running in after that earthquake. Is everybody here? And Paul says, we're all here. He says, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot of earthquakes. And there, history, history records that there was a lot of earthquakes then. Mm-hmm. So that was fulfilled then. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Was that the beginning of sorrows for them? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then will you be delivered up to be afflicted and will be killed? And uh, and, and they'll kill you and, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Was, was that true back then, brother? Absolutely. There's a reason why the uh, remnant was told to run. Run to the hills because they were going to be killed. We're going to get to that part, but they were being persecuted really bad back at that time. Remember, mm-hmm. and the book of Acts records a lot of this. Yep. And we, you know, we read uh, in history that uh, that some of the things Nero did and others, and then um, all these things are beginning of sorrows. Uh, okay, down to verse ten, and then will many be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another? Did that occur back then? Oh, yeah, a whole lot. <laughs> a lot. You read Josephus and you see a ton of it. And many false prophets will rise and will deceive many. But did, did that occur back then, brother? Oh, yes. Yeah, you know why? Because we read it in Josephus. He talks about the specific people by name running around claiming to be the mm-hmm. Messiah. Right? And because iniquity, iniquity will abound and the love of many will wax cold, but he that will endure unto the end, the same will be saved. What what end and saved are is he talking about here? Well, the iniquity of many would bound cold. Now, what happened in Jerusalem once the Roman army began to surround it? Oh, Jerusalem started to implode internally. <laughs> did, did, did they hate each other? Absolutely. They started turning against each other. They started uh, killing Amongst each other, there were zealots that were running around, you know, causing wars on the inside and rebelling against the Roman Empire as well. Mm-hmm. This is not a worldwide event that he's talking about here. He's talking no, specific, specifically about Judah mm-hmm. and Jerusalem. That's right. Now, what, what is what? What about this enduring to the end, and the same would be saved? Is this talk? Is this talking about? The salvation of the soul, or is this talking about a different kind of saved? Endure to the end of what? Your turn, brother. Oh, yeah, my turn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Enduring the end <laughs> when in 70 AD, the destruction of the temple, the end of the old covenant. Yeah. And the safe part is the new covenant. Right. Saved by it, grace, faith alone. You can endure Rome. 
coming in and, uh, and putting the Jerusalem under siege and taking down the temple and all that, then you'd be saved from Rome, mm-hmm. saved from dying in that war. That's what it's talking about. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then will the end come. And people say, aha, got you there. It wasn't, (laughs) the whole world wasn't evangelized at that time. Uh, Buzzer sounds. (laughs) Wrong. It was. And we can prove it. I'll just go through these quickly. Romans 1 8. We'll just we'll just get this out of the way in this podcast because people are getting really kind of nutty with this. Romans 1 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of, get this, throughout the whole doggone world. I added doggone. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the whole world. That means the whole world had to be evangelized by the time this was written to the Romans. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, but that's not the only one. Romans 16, 26. Oh, we'll go through a number of these. Romans 16, 26. I, God's leading this, brother. I didn't I did not intend to talk about this tonight. That's the way we roll, bro. That's the I way know. we roll. But now is the manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known of all nations for the obeisance of faith. To how many nations, brother? The nations. The nations. All All the nations. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rather odd if it wasn't evangelized. Colossians 1 6. Let's go to Colossians 1 6. Gentiles eat pork chops. <laughs> All right, there's pork. And here's chops. All right. One, did I say Colossians 1 6? 1 6. All right. Which is coming to you as it is in all the world. That's it, bro. It says the world right there. Now, how did they evangelize South America and North America? Because world does not refer to North and South America. It refers to the Roman Empire specifically. Mm -hmm. At at that time, to them, the world was the Roman Empire. That was the world. That was the whole world. Now, 23, verse 23, same verse, the same chapter. If, if you continue in the faith, ground it and settled, but be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, for you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, was every single individual creature under heaven, evangel- uh, you know, did they all hear the gospel? No. Then why would Paul say this? Because it's a general sense. Mm-hmm. Right. The gospel had gone to the ends of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Every creature means every portion of the world, every, yeah. every part of the world. Now, we know that it spread even further after this. Right. But 
just going to say, and, and to make a point there where, you know, it's talking about the context of their world. So let's say the brain goes out outside his street and he just makes a proclamation. And I come out and say, hey, bro, what are you doing? You're telling the whole world about, you know, blank. That's right. a general statement concerning that context at that time where the brain went outside and spoke about the statement, right? But right. we generalize it as the world because of that context we're in. Right. So that's exactly what uh, the word of God, when it's talking about the world, it's talking about their world, that right. context, that time, the surrounding area where they live that is being affected by all this. Exactly. We're taking their culture of their language and we're trying to apply it to our culture of our language and it don't work. That's we've a big, got, yeah, we've got <laughs> to go with their culture and their language. Here's another example. First uh, Timothy, uh, it's 316. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit of seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Mm. And then, didn't uh, when, when uh, John the Baptist was crying, the one crying in the wilderness, the voice crying in the wilderness, uh-huh. it tells us that all Judah went out to see John the Baptist and were baptized. Now, did the entire population of Judah empty out to go see John the Baptist? <laughs> that would be a no. <laughs> this is how langu- this language is used in Scripture. It's It has a um, kind of an all-encompassing mm-hmm. meaning to it. Right. Right. No, it doesn't mean that every individual, but it means from all corners of Judah, all different parts of Judah, they came. Mm-hmm. People came to see John preach in the wilderness. And so we have to be careful with how we're looking at scripture. Now we'll continue on. I'm trying not to make this too long. When you therefore will see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Whoso reads, let him understand. Now, are there people today still looking for this abomination, uh, this uh, this um, abomination of desolation? Oh yeah, they're still looking. People are still looking around to see when that uh, abomination of desolation is taking place. What I'm wondering is like, so you're still waiting for the Roman Empire to come around you and surround you with flags and. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I'm going to go to Luke 21. I believe that's the one that really. Now, Luke 21, verse 20. And when you, this is the abomination of desolation. And when you see, shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is not the abomination of desolation. Mm. That's it. That occurred when, brother? When did Jerusalem? When was Jerusalem surrounded by armies? Was that in AD sixty six? Yeah, right. Somewhere right there. Sixty six. That that was the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Right. So it was before that, which is sixty. Well, sixty three, seventy. 
what was it, seven years? Right. Seven Somewhere years. on there. Right. So if you count seven years back from AD 70, then you've got the beginning of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. It was around 66 or so, 66 and a half, that the great tribulation began. That's when uh, the, the severity began to hit. Right. Uh, because they said, if you're on the housetops, run, run, get out of there. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, who's on their housetops tonight? I mean, we don't have <laughs> roofs like that. It was at that time they could go up on their roof. Right. Right. So anyway, continue on. Then let the them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Who? Am I supposed to flee, brother? Well, first of all, you got to find yourself in Judea. Uh, you live in Locust, uh, yeah. North Carolina, so you're kind of far away, bro. <laughs> And you live in Santee, California. So, I, you know, this ain't working, is it? I don't think either one of them were Judea. I mean, I'm not in Judea. I mean, I have a mountains around here, but, you know, <laughs> is it going to be the same effect? I don't know. <laughs> Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Well, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, I like hanging out on my roof, brother. Do you like hanging out on your roof? Sure. <laughs> if I can keep from sliding if, off. I was going to say, if I, can, if I can get up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And won't it them that are with child, the, you know, and so forth, that they give suck in those days. Why? Because the Roman army is coming in, mm-hmm. right? And oh. pray that you, that pray that uh, your flight be not in the winter. Well, why would there? We got cars <laughs> that have heaters and can trudge snow and stuff. We got, I do got four wheel drives. Why would that be a problem? Because oh, yeah. they're not escaping in cars. They're mm-hmm. escaping on foot. They're escaping on donkeys. They're escaping on whatever they can escape on. Yep. But it's not heated. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, and. Um, he says, and pray that it's not on the Sabbath day. Well, why would we care if it's on Saturday? Right. Or the seventh day of the week. Uh, but they would care, wouldn't they? Mm, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for then shall be the great tribulation. That's that's around 66 and a half or so A.D. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor no, nor ever shall be. Now, there are people arguing, say, but we've had it worse. I mean, look at World War II. Look at World War III. Look at World War One. Okay, look, that's world, the other world. That's the rest of the Gentile world. Mm-hmm. He's talking specifically of Judea. They've never had anything this bad in Judea. And let me tell you, warfare back then was worse than it is today. Oh, yeah. I mean, the slaughter was horrendous, and it was hand-to-hand combat all the way through. Mm-hmm. Right. And the slaughter of Judea, you read Josephus, and it's shocking, absolutely shocking what right. they went through, you know? All right. So I'm just knocking down the arguments. 
And then uh, he says, except those days be, should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Then is that talking about the whole world, flesh in the whole world, or is that talking about Judea specifically? That would be Judea specifically. <laughs> At time. Yep. Exactly. I hope I'm not ruining people's Christmas. Anyway, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Uh, then if any man will come unto you, the apostles, now either that occurred 2,000 years ago or we've got some 2,000-year-old apostles. <laughs> you know? Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall rise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they could deceive the very elect. Well, that all occurred during that time. There were people mm -hmm. running around in the walls of Jerusalem while it's under siege, claiming to be the Messiah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and prophesying. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they say unto you, apostles, not us, them. Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Be, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and, the, and shines even into the west, so will the, also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is talking about not. This is talking about his coming in judgment. Yep. This is a judgment coming because he's coming in the clouds. And when you look in Isaiah. It's the language in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. I just read a portion just yesterday where he came in the clouds in Isaiah to punish, I believe it was Egypt. I think it yes. was Egypt. Yeah. It was. Mm -hmm. And the same language, but he didn't physical, physically come down then. This is talking about him coming in judgment against, uh, against Jerusalem. Yep. As oh, yeah. they rejected him. And Jerusalem in Revelation is called Babylon mm. because they worshiped other gods. They worshiped a god that was not the real god. It was a god of their own invention. Immediately after the tribulation of those days will the sun be darkened and the moon will not give her light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of, of heavens Will, of the heavens will be shaken. Well, see now, there you go. That hasn't happened. I mean, the moon's still <laughs> up there, and the sun's still shining, and you know, the stars haven't fallen. So, hey, yeah. What say you to that, brother? I, I give up. I throw the towel in. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. You know, that's it. <laughs> I surrender. Okay, Genesis thirty-seven. Genesis thirty-seven. You know this one. Genesis 37. Let's, let's get this sun, moon, and stars thing. This is talking about Joseph and his dream. Mm. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. Oh, my goodness. He commanded the physical sun and the physical moon and the physical stars. They all bowed down to Joseph. Is that right, brother? It's possible, right? I don't know. You know, maybe. <laughs> well, this, this what happened in verse 10. And he told it to his father and to his brother and his, his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to bow down to you. Neither is your mother and your brethren. Indeed, 
come to bow down ourselves to you in the earth? No. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. We're not bound on you. Why would he say we're not bound on you when he was talking about the sun and the moon and the stars? He's talking about them. Who was the sun? The sun was the sun was the dad. Uh The moon was the mom. Uh Uh-huh. And the stars were the brothers. Right. And so when he's talking about the sun and the moon, the stars falling from heaven. Huh. Who's that? Ooh. Now you're going to get into some deep, deep stuff, bro. Wouldn't that be Israel, Jerusalem, and the 12 tribes? That is 100 absolutely correct. Yeah. Because they were a representation of that. Mm-hmm. So... The sun, Israel, the moon, Jerusalem, and the stars, the 12 tribes, mm-hmm. and upon the earth, the stress of nations and perplexity. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to Luke 21. Let me get back to Matthew 24, where I was at. Uh, so, the, the, and uh, the powers of the heavens would be shaken. What's the heavens in this metaphoric language? Wouldn't that oh, be you're, you're asking me? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be the powers to be? Absolutely. Because heaven and earth, heaven is the rulers of Israel, earth right. are, are the people. The people, yeah. correct. And then shall appear the sign, the sign, the sign. What is that sign, brother? It's a big difference between then shall the son of man appear. Mm-hmm. It's the sign of the son of man. We got to read this correctly. This is not talking about his a final physical coming here. This is talking about his judgment on, on Israel in AD 70. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Rome. Mm-hmm. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, just like he and just like in Isaiah when he judged Egypt, he was coming in the clouds. It's a language of judgment with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels. Who was his angels at that time? His messengers. Uh-huh. He was bringing a message to Israel, and he was using Rome to bring that message. Yep. Those are soldiers. And a great sound of a trumpet. That's the warning sign. Uh-huh. Battles begun. And they shall gather together his elect and the four winds and the one uh, and and from one end of heaven to the other, talking about uh, Judea. And then he talks about the parable: uh, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will. In other words, Israel, it, it, the twelve tribes in Jerusalem and so forth, they'll pass away in eighty seventy. They'll they'll be still remnants left. Mm-hmm. Um, but his words would never pass away. Mm, and then he gets down there and he says, this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled. That generation. So I mean, if we're still looking at it as futuristic, man, that would be one long, big generation. <laughs> 
of so thousands of years, right? Right. And if you're looking at that as, oh, we're seeing the signs today and all this is about to happen today, you begin to understand why people are making predictions that they are mm-hmm. and saying the things they are and then are in such despair or are exciting because they think they're going to be, you know, beam me up, Scotty, before the bad stuff starts happening. Right? <laughs> yep, yep. I'm sorry, folks, but the, the, the beef and I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. We're in uncharted territory. We don't know what the future is going to bring because God didn't tell us from this point on. He told them what was going to happen because it had to do with the death of the old covenant, which had to happen. They were in a transition period. That's why it was so unique. Once that new covenant came in in its fullness in AD 70, it's a whole new ballgame. The church begins to saturate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is being built. It's the unseen kingdom made without hands. Mm, 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 mm. Yep. We rule the world. Do you understand that, Christians? You rule the world. That's why Revelation chapter 1 calls you kings and priests. You're kings in God's kingdom, and you're priests because it's the priesthood of every believer. we got to grasp that. And once we grasp that, we can have a right-mindedness. We can think rightly about what we need to be doing in this world to battle evil and to advance the the gospel and the kingdom of God Mm. and stop sitting on our laurels, waiting for rescue. Stop sitting on our laurels thinking, Oh, it's inevitable that, you know, there's going to be this antichrist and there's going to be, Israel's going to be in big trouble and the Christians are going to be persecuted all around the world. And we're going to go through this great tribulation. It's just inevitable because prophecy says so. No, it's not inevitable because it all occurred last, you know, 22,000 years ago. It's not inevitable. When you get out of that thinking and when you get into the thinking well, God told us to build the kingdom, and these temporal circumstances we're dealing with, they're nothing. They will be dealt with by God Almighty in his way and his timing. But we're not to get locked up in that. What we're supposed to do is to continue building his kingdom by doing what he told us to do, going into all the world and preach the gospel, going into all the world and teach all nations the whole counsel of God and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Why aren't we doing that? Mm-hmm. Because we're locked up in this, uh, this uh, eschatological jail that has poisoned our minds with what we think is inevitable in our near future. God's Christ is coming back soon. Oh, we're getting all excited. No, stop, stop, stop that. This is serious business. And we need to be about God's business. 
because souls are hanging in the balance and the world needs the salt to keep the savory. And the salt is not doing well because the salt thinks it's going to be raptured out of the world and get rescued. No, Christ said, I take, I don't, I'm not taking them out of the world. We read that in his prayer. He says, I'm going to keep them in the world, take them through the fire, make them super, make them really strong through sanctification, and have them do my work. I, I don't know what else to add to that, brother. At this point. Yeah, you said you said you said it. <laughs> uh, it cannot more be more clear than that, brother. And uh, folks, we encourage you. Don't be afraid to have a paradigm shift in your belief. There has to come the time where you have to stand in the truth and understand the truth and get away from the ways we were brought up in understanding scripture. If you were believing by tradition, if you were believing because somebody else said it or because your family, family, family member said it, we got to come to the time. Paul tells us we deny ourselves. We look in front of a mirror and we compare ourselves to scripture and understand what scripture is teaching. Because if we don't, we're going to continue in the same circular reasoning. Right, brother? Yep. Same thought, same mind. We're going to be like my Dodge Challenger when I press the gas pedal too hard to get out into a lane. We're just going to be spinning, <laughs> we're going to be spinning our wheels. Spinning the wheels, brother. Leaving and, black marks all over yeah. the face. <clears throat> and then you'll end up hopeless. You'll end up with no joy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be anxious about things. You're going to be waiting. And and I don't think that's what the Bible yeah. teaches us. All worked up over Everything's mm-hmm. happening. There's good things and bad things happening in the world, folks. Right. I mean, we see that. I've, I've been, I was looking at the news, some news today. And like, well, that's good and that's bad and that's good and that's bad. Yeah, there's good and bad things. I mean, there's mandates blocking Biden's vaccine. Man- I mean, there, there's uh, courts blocking his mandates and stuff. And you know, oh, that's good. You know, something else happens. You go, oh, that's bad. It's, it's like that routine out of um, hee haw. That, yeah. that told you years ago, right. when you got sitting in the barber's chair. Remember that part? <laughs> yes. And he cut his hair. He says, "Oh, my wife got a new car the other day." And the guy says, "Oh, that's good." You know, the barber says, "Oh, that's good." And the guy in the barber's chair said, "No, that's bad." Because that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> she wrecked it. He goes, "Oh, that's bad." And she goes, "No, that's good because we got more money for the car than what we paid for it out of the insurance." Oh, that's good. Oh no, that's bad. And it just keeps going back and forth like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, it's like it's like that. I mean, the world is like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's a balance of good and evil. Well, the good is the salt. We're the salt. And if we're sitting around waiting to be rescued, we're not salt. Mm. We need to get back to doing our duty, doing our job. And you don't even have to believe this eschatology that Beef and I are talking about to do that. You can be premillennial dispensational and get back to work. Just stop obsessing on prophecy and start obsessing on your family and on doctrine and on prayer and on the fundamentals of Christianity and on sanctification and on 
helping your neighbor when they need help and and demonstrating through your words and your actions Christ to them. And it doesn't have to be a, oh, I've got to, quick, i got to give them the gospel and give them the same prayer real quick and then declare them to be in the kingdom. No, that's not how God works. You've got to be real with these people. Mm. And you've got to, you got to be who God made you to be and speak to them the whole counsel of God. Amen. I, I tell I talk about things out of the Bible that most people would be shocked when it comes to unbelievers. Mm. Oh no no no! You can't talk about that before you give them the, you know the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and sinner and all. Why not? I knew a guy that won somebody to Christ because the, the, the guy he wanted to Christ was a geologist. Mm. And he and they were walking and talking with him. He goes, "Hey, by the way, you're you're you'd like." rocks right you like to study the different kinds of rocks and stuff he goes yeah he goes i I need to show you something so he takes him the book of revelation and he's showing them the foundation of the new jerusalem in the book of revelation and all of the different rocks that were the foundation the emerus and the crystal and whatever it was gold whatever it was and this guy got fascinated. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This rock right here, this this is made of these molecules. And, then, mm. and you know, this is this is a really hard rock right here. This is, oh, this one's really bright and glowing. He got all excited about the foundations. <laughs> and guess what? Amazing. Yeah. Guess what? Through that, he came to Christ. <laughs> wow. What a blessing. You just don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to use. Right, right. So don't restrict yourself to some technique. The Holy Spirit's not a technique. You got to talk to the person, get to know the person, and dig your head out of the doggone social media and get back into the real world. Deep's looking at me. I'm sitting there holding my head with both of my hands. Because it's like, oh, come on, let's get out of this fake world and get back into reality. We're killing ourselves with this stuff. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's the most conservative, pro-Trump or pro-MAGA or whatever social media in the world. It doesn't matter. It's still occupying your time. Yep. It's still it's still it's still a potential potential problem in disguise, mm-hmm. taking you away from your family. No, no. Who need that stuff is not going to save the world. Building your training your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's what's going to change the world. I, I'll get off my high horse, brother. Uh, I'm gonna turn I it love it. I love it. No, brother, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, folks, we encourage you, we challenge you. It's look into these things. And we encourage you to stand on the truth of the word of God. Stop, let's stop being lazy. Let's stop being, uh, feel comfortable in our comfort zone, you know, and sit there and wait for things to happen. Uh, the church is victorious already. Yeah. Our duty is to stand in God's word, continue to stand on the truth of his word and believe everything that is in his word. And therefore glorify him in everything that we do. In the good, in the bad. 
that's our chief end. Other than that, brother, if you got nothing else to say, I think it's about that time. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> you got a good one for me? I got one good one before we close out, and we'll close with this. All right. It's time to grind the brain's gears, as I usually do. Bubba, All right, bubba, brother. Bubba, All right. bubba. I got to get some sort of drum roll going here. <laughs> All right, there's your intro. <laughs> All right, bro. A United Methodist church pastor stop, was... Stop, stop. All right. All right. All right. You said United Methodist. United Methodist Church Pastor. I already know everything I need to know already. Okay, all right. That's, yeah, that's very revealing already. All right. Was recently relieved of his duties after participating <clears throat> as a drag queen in the HBO reality series, We're Here. And I'm sure the next word is We're Queer or We're Drag Queens. The Reverend Dr. Oh no, Reverend Craig Duke, formerly the lead pastor of Newburgh United Methodist Church, was relieved of his duties effective December 1st. The Reverend Mark Dickin will serve as interim pastors. Duke became the center of controversy after being featured in a November 8 episode of the docu-series. In the episode, Duke was shown preaching to his congregation about love before transitioning into singing Kesha's song. Kesha's a singer, uh, I know, a, a secular singer. The song's called We Are Who We Are with drag mother Eureka O'Hara. The series follows three renowned drag artists who travel the small towns across the country, teaching local residents how to perform as drag queens. Craig was nominated by the River City Pride Organization to take part in this series. So, uh, um, Brain, I mean, can, can a pastor or elder, you know, Spend, uh, or you know, in his off time, you know, in his uh, when he's not busy, you know, do a little drag here and there. (laughs) (laughs) Big wig, and you know, oh, wait, I'm gonna do this. Check this out. All right, so you're gonna be looking at your screen so you can even get a picture. All right, watch this. Can you see my screen? Yes. See the picture right here? Oh, my goodness. That's it right there. <laughs> that is it right there, bro. Right here. Look at that. I'm sorry, but that is one second. <laughs> oh, my. I mean, right there. It's, uh, oh, yeah. Moly. Hey, right right next to your, you, you've been working on uh, for Sunday, the, the uh, songs, huh? Oh, absolutely. You see my other uh, right here on uh, my vision. Yeah. I, I, so picture this, brother. I've got this sickening drag queen picture in front of me with this uh-huh. whole story. And next to it, I've got, be thou my wisdom, be thou my true word. I ever with, uh, I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou, I don't remember the tune, but I remember the, the hymn. Thou my great God, 
I, thy true son, thou and me dwelling, and I with thee one. Mm. I mean, this beautiful, amazing hymn, there's more verses. I'm looking okay. over here at this thing that makes my stomach churn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, man, what a contrast. <laughs> <laughs> they call Rev, the Reverend Craig, dude. So, uh -huh. who, so who revered him? Uh, exactly. That's uh, first of all. Well, that would bring into question the United Methodist Church, right? Like, what in the world were you thinking? I mean, we've spoken about Methodists before, you know. They 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 they're, they're got some weird theology, you know. <laughs> but I'm starting to think they don't have a theology. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so you got to see there of uh, you know what I'm talking about. Am I going to have to say the obvious? <laughs> You're going to have to, bro. I don't this, know. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is this is completely, completely out of sync with God's word, his principles, his statutes, everything he's taught us in the scriptures. It's like completely 180 degrees opposite. Right, well, well, that's just... We'll just go there. Make me go to Romans. Why do you make me go to Romans? <laughs> Let me turn my light on. Here's my here's my response. I, I just I I can't respond to that. So I'll just I'll just let God respond to it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from heaven, from faith to faith, as written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God, the wrath of God, brother, mm. the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Mm. Ooh. That means they claim to be uh, representatives of God. They're holding the truth, but they do it in unrighteousness. Well, who are these people? Oh, well, let's answer that. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. There's a divine revelation. The census of Inatatus, the sense of God in every individual. That's a general understanding and knowledge of God. Now, that's what the United Methodists have, by the way, a general understanding. Um, however... That's not enough because in verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without, without excuse because that when they knew God, they knew God, at least in a general sense, they knew who he was. They glorified him not as God. Ooh. Could we just scratch United Methodist uh, drag queen in there? Um, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. It's the, it's the mind. The battle's in the mind and the heart. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Therefore, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. God gave them up to uncleanness. These people don't do, they don't go to that level. They don't do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
unless they have become so depraved in their mind and their heart that it it reaches the gates of heaven and God gives them up to their vile affections. God says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just let you go to the depths of your depravity. Yeah. That's basically what he's saying. So he gave them up to their uh, to uncleanness, to the loss of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, homosexuality, lesbianism, pedophilia, right? Who changed the truth of God into a lie. Oh, I can be a drag queen and preach the word of God. Changing the truth of God into a lie. And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. A gospel that serves man more than it serves God. Mm -hmm. A man-centered gospel. A man-centered theology. A man-pleasing theology. And God says in Romans, they serve the creature, man, more than they serve God. If you have a God-centered theology, you don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I have to read it even more on this uh, article. Uh, the United Methodist Church has a lot of issues and a lot of problems. And this is where you can see an entire church be wrong, obviously be tossed to and fro from wind of doctrine. And I would call this what Al Mahler calls his doctrinal annihilation. Why? Because the superintendent came out, the superintendent of uh, the South and Southwest districts of the Indiana United Methodist Church Conference said that uh, his opinion, uh, let me read it right here. Um, uh, His name, last name is Gisselman, assured that Duke's actions were not a violation of the United Methodist Book of Discipline. That that's big. That tells you a lot of what the the their uh, theology is and how messed up it is. Uh, there was a home. Uh, there was a GoFundMe page that was launched to help this individual. Now that now that he's out of a job, obviously, uh, uh, and it's raised fifty seven thousand, brother, for uh, fourteen hundred different donations. And then this is this is the description of who this individual is that is was the drag queen here, and and you know what the, the church was more upset at the fact that he took part in that series the HBO series, they were more upset out of that than actually his his position on on uh, on being a drag queen because in their statement as who this person is it says Pastor Craig considers himself to be a man of faith, a father, a husband. Right here, a social justice advocate and ally for the LGBTQIA plus community. Craig has a hope and has fought for a fully inclusive church that is welcoming to people of all races, all genders, and all sexual orientations. Christ said you you can't serve two masters. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can't serve wokeness and serve Christ at the same time. 
You got to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, he, and he dumped Christ and went for the wokeness. That's where yep. we are. Now, he claims that he knows Christ. He's a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. What does that even mean? Exactly. I don't, I don't think they understand and know what faith is at all. They don't. And they don't know what love is either. Oh, Never. no, absolutely not. They don't have a clue as to what love is. And it would we'd be here another two or three hours to go into all that. <laughs> yes, <But> we would. <laughs> time, time is of the essence. Well, anyways, that, that was it, brother. That's us, the, the grinding, the brain's gears part. I knew it would... If we could only capture your face every time you, re- you react to some of these uh, articles, would be uh, oh, be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you find my gears, brother. You do a good job. I, I get you. I, I got them. I got them, folks. I got them. <laughs> Other than that, brother, if you have any last words, uh, please. Uh, Speak of them. If not, close us out, brother. I think is a good spot where we can stop uh, this podcast. Here's my last words. Uh, aside all of the silliness and nonsense that we just talked about, in the seriousness of, of life that we're living right now, people are suffering. People mm-hmm. are dying mm-hmm. in, in larger numbers than normal. Um. People are being maimed. I mean, people are suffering greatly um, from these shots and stuff that they're giving out. These, I mean, what they're doing is a sin against God and a crime against humanity. It is a violation of Nuremberg Code. It's a violation of international law, and it's also a violation of a lot of uh, national and state laws. They're supposed to, state laws, a lot of the state laws say you're supposed to have full disclosure before they stick a needle in your arm like that. No, they're not doing any of that. They have a total disregard for the law. They don't care because they think they can get away with it. Now, so people are suffering because of that. And families are going through a lot of hardship because of that during this season. And so my The word I want to give is this. I know it's it's difficult. I know it's heartbreaking. I know it's devastating what some of some you of you are going through and what people you know who you know are going through. But remember this God will not allow you to suffer beyond what grace He's given you to be able to handle. And ultimately, God will use it for good, Romans 8, 28. And then finally, God will use it. He'll turn it around on them and use it to build his kingdom further. And the the peace that passes all understanding will be shed abroad in your hearts because this will draw us closer to God. And whereas we were marginal believers, now, because crisis has hit, we will be devout believers. I know you're praying more, folks. I know. You're in the word more. 
I know you're crying out to God more. And that's good. That's what God is looking for. That's what he wants. I'm not going to make any predictions because I don't like making them. Because I can't predict what God is going to do next. But I can tell you this. Whatever it is, it's going to be fantastic. So with that, remember to keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. We'll see you on the, the next podcast. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. It's a blessing to have you. We hope that you continue to enjoy the future episodes and to tune in and share away with others that might be interested. Uh, I wanted to thank our families for supporting us, especially our wives that uh, they put up with us. They allow us to have time to study and spend time uh, in the Word of God they help us as well and they keep us accountable it's a blessing to have them in our lives so we want to especially thank them i uh, also want to thank uh, our church uh friends and uh, the men's study that we have that we continue to encourage, be encouraged about i want to thank all these people because they support us and pray for us and uh, it's a blessing to have them in our life other than that i hope you continue to enjoy the vortex apologetic podcast that we will talk to you soon more episodes to come your way. Other than that, I'm out. We're out. God bless you.